Pray with me. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we might see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. The New Testament lesson this morning is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully mistreated at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. For our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, even so we speak, not to please mortals, but to please God who tests our hearts. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from the book of the Psalms, specifically the 90th Psalm, and we will read verses 1 through 6 and then verses 13 through 17. So listen now for the word of God that we receive from the book of poetry and songs that we receive from ancient Israel. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight, are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening, it fade, fades and withers. Turn, O Lord, how long? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. O oh, prosper the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Writer June Spence remembers well the old home place in the central Piedmont of North Carolina. As a girl, her family would gather there like clockwork every Sunday after church for a home-cooked meal. 
After dinner, the men would retire to the den to watch football or basketball while the women drank coffee in the formal living room, and the kids were free to find their own fun. And they almost always took off to play outside among the maple, pecan, cherry, and crabapple trees. Depending on the season, they would eat grapes off the arbor or pick flowers from the many beds full of tulips, daffodils, and daisies. In the background was the neatly tilled garden, which produced the collards and tomatoes, green beans, okra, and potatoes that made up most of their feasts. And just down the driveway and across Highway 210, which was really just across the street from the house, was the little cemetery where June's grandfather and great-grandparents were buried. A stone's throw down the road was the family church, where countless Easter's and Christmas Eve's had been observed and cherished. June's grandmother died a few years ago, but the house still connects the family to her memory. Although it may ultimately be sold, June writes, there is no urgency. My mother and her sisters are still sorting through the detritus of years, dispersing mementos. My aunt found great solace staying there in the days following the funeral. And it's where she always stays whenever she comes back to town. She says she feels peaceful there and sleeps better there than she does anywhere else. Whenever she comes back, the family gathers there. Sometimes we cook, always we eat. It is where we were fed. Now what I've described is something that I expect many of you have known in your own lives. The little details may be different or they may be shockingly similar. But many of us have hung framed pencil sketches in places where we can see them regularly. Images of the familiar places where we were raised, where we were fed, our own home places. Psalm 90 is essentially one of those graphite sketches hung prominently in the memories of a nation. It recalls a dwelling place of many generations, a place of comfort and permanence. But for us to appreciate what this dwelling place meant to the people of Israel, we must begin with the psalm that precedes it. Psalm 89 is far from a nostalgic rose-colored memory. It cries out from a present that is cold and bleak, a place of fear and desperation. It remembers that God once made a promise to King David to defend his nation and to help his people prosper, but now the psalmist cries out to God. You have spurned and rejected him. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through all his walls. You have laid his strongholds in ruins. 
all who pass by plunder him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. These are words of exile. The laments of a people who have been carried off into bondage away from their homes to live the weary lives of defeated wanderers. Their home place lies in ruins and they cannot comprehend why God seems to have abandoned them. The only thing they can do is raise the plaintive cry, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Psalm 90, I believe, is Scripture's answer to Psalm 89, and more particularly, its answer to that painful question, how long? It does not, however, answer that question with a calendar. It does not specify a day when God's rescue would come or when they might return to the old home place to rebuild their lives and reclaim their memories. In fact, Psalm 90 is not focused on a place at all. While the property west of the Jordan River is prominent in their minds, the dwelling place of Psalm 90 is not the promised land. While memories of the temple are certainly present, the dwelling place of Psalm 90 is not the structure on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The dwelling place celebrated in this ancient song is God, a refuge and comfort who can be found in any place by any heart. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You, God, are our true home place. This, many say, is one of the great lessons of the exile. The idea that the presence of God is not limited to a specific place, that God's people could find connection to God and connection to each other even when they were far away. When he was vulnerable, the psalmist dreamt of security. When surrounded by strife, the psalmist dreamt of peace. When life seemed fleeting, the psalmist dreamt of permanence. When homeless, The psalmist dreamt of the old home place, and all of it was a dream of God. It had to be a dream, because there is no other way to plumb the mysteries of God. God's presence and influence is too big to measure, too heavy to weigh, and too profound to understand. Such knowledge, the psalmist also says, is too wonderful for us. It is so high that we cannot attain it. Perhaps that is why the Psalms seem to capture the nature of God better than anything else in Scripture. Only poetry can burst beyond our mundane efforts 
to sketch God out and nail God down. Today's psalm uses dreamlike language to describe the timeless stability and permanence of God. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. We humans are blown to and fro by the winds of life, but God reigns above it all spanning it with the slow and steady certainty that love will prevail and victory will come, even if it might seem far away. Physical places will always be powerful in our memories. It's right to cherish them when they remind us of the things that are most important. But in the end, Scripture makes it clear that our true home place is not a place at all, Our true home is a permanence, a power, and a person. I think this lesson is vitally important to us right now in this cultural moment because we seem to be in a Psalm 89 kind of moment. The voices that are screaming the loudest are voices that are saying that everything is falling apart. They are voices of frustration and anger and disappointment. They scream at us from the television and from social media. Sometimes they get yelled at us from passing cars. They are paying the bills right now for countless political advertising firms. But the worst voices, I would say, the most damaging voices, I would say, are the ones in our own heads, whispering to us that we are not safe, that we are losing something, that our old home places seem too far away. And none of this is bringing out the best in us. People are on edge right now. I had a conversation with one of our members this week, and I think she put it best. COVID is just making everyone mean. And it makes sense that we are mean because people are frightened and anxious and on edge. We feel like things are not under control, and everybody is trying to figure out somebody to blame for all of it. And it is all starting to feel very mean. And I know that some of you have been asking this question because I have heard you asking it. How long, O Lord? Of course, when we feel like this, we long for the places that we have known that felt the most permanent. Places where we once felt safe, where we felt loved where when we laid in the grass and looked up at the sky, all felt right with the world. If you have a place like that in your heart, and if you know the pain of feeling like it is slipping away from you, like smoke in the breeze, 
then you know the heart of these psalms. And you can probably relate to a song written by a bluegrass band called the Dillards, which is called simply The Old Home Place. It's been 10 long years since I left my home in the hollow where I was born, where the cool fall nights make the wood smoke rise and the fox hunter blows his horn. I fell in love with a girl from the town. I thought that she would be true. I ran away to Charlottesville and worked in a sawmill or two. What have they done to the old home place? Why did they tear it down? And why did I leave the plow in the field and look for a job in the town? Well, my girl, she ran off with somebody else. The taverns took my pay, and here I stand where the old home stood before they took it away. Now the geese, they fly south and the cold wind blows as I stand here and hang my head. I've lost my love, I've lost my home, and now I wish that I was dead. What have they done to the old home place? Why did they tear it down? And why did I leave the plow in the field and look for a job in the town? Those are the questions of Psalm 89. They are the laments of how things once looked so good, but now, not so much. They are longings for a better time, a simpler time. Every human spirit needs a home place a place where the most important things rest firmly on the rock, where love can be found and felt, where we feel truly safe. And when all of that seems lost, when things look bleak and irredeemable, Scripture pushes us to remember. Remember that there is a home place that we can never lose, that will never be torn down, and that will never stop seeking us and calling us home. It remains still, as June Spence would say, the one place where we are always safe and warm, the place where we are fed. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, our dwelling place in all generations. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.